Um, here's the deal. You're in for a treat. First service was amazing. We have a, a friend of the house uh, with us. Chase and Rebecca Wiggins are right here. Come on now, Pastor Chase. Me and Chase met in September uh, at a, a kind of a pastor get-together, and it's interesting. You can be in a room with 30 pastors, but I do think the Lord maneuver steps, and I just kind of got connected with them, and just, it's like, man, I like these people. I, I believe in these people, and so went down, actually visited uh, where they're pastoring in San Jose, and I was like, wow, like, wow, what a gift on this couple. They are so gifted, and they're going to share their gift with you in just a second, but I want to kind of highlight like, a couple things. One is, uh, Chase, six years ago started this uh, young adult ministry called FCC Encounter, about 15 young adults. Six years later, fast forward, over a thousand young adults are coming to this thing. Everybody say, what? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of people. And what I love about our church, not about just our church, but the church. And God is up to something in the Bay Area. And I believe that he's awakening uh, a movement. And, and this is a part of that movement that's happening in the Bay Area. And so uh, you are going to get blessed like no other this morning. So can you give my friend, Pastor Chase Wiggins, a warm Mission Church welcome. Come on. Come on. God is so good. Oh, I'm so stoked to be with y'all. We're going to have a good time. Uh, before I get going, I just want to say that I have to get on my tippy toes to get in the cupboards, and I'm not ashamed. I'm really not, you know? Uh, you just say, yeah, I'm, I'm masculine. I'm like, all right, Pastor Tyler, I am as well. And so, <laughs> anywho, you know, I, uh, I just want to talk a little bit. I said this in first service. I'm going to say it again. I'm so grateful for the pastors of your house. Um, and I think sometimes we, we can become casual about that, which is supernatural. And, and something that I love about Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel is their hearts for this city, their hearts for this region, and their hearts for this church. And it says in the book of Isaiah, um, very, very clearly, it says that um, when you receive a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. And the idea of that is when you receive the fullness of the man and the woman of God that he's chosen to be the voice, or better yet, I say the echo to the voice of God for a generation, you get everything that comes with them. And, and I think sometimes uh, we can take our pastors for granted, and sometimes it takes a young, light-skinned brother coming in, telling you that you have something really, really great, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I think it would be a appropriate if we just took a second before I even preach to let Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel know how much we love them. Can we just give them a hand and can we just honor them for a second? Come on, y'all could do better than that. Let's just take a moment and let them know how amazing they are. Grateful for your yes, man. So good. Y'all could be seated. Pastor Tyler's hood too. I love him for that. He's a gangster in the kingdom. I'm telling you. But no, Pastor, I'm just so grateful for you. Your, your joy, um, you make church fun. And I was raised in church where it was not fun to go to church. And you bring such a supernatural joy to the kingdom of God. And it's just what this region needs. And uh, I, I, I'm thankful to be able to speak on this platform that by the grace of God, you and your wife are building. Because I get to be a part of the beginning. Um, I'm happy that I got to speak in year one, or actually this is going on year two of this church. Hey, yeah, year someone got really excited. Yeah, we've been here for a decade. I'm excited to be able to speak because um, I, I get to say that I saw it in the beginning um, because you guys are destined, and I really do mean this prophetically, you guys are going to reach thousands of people in the Bay and beyond. I'm being very serious. What's on this church is something that is supernatural. And so what you got to do is you just got to get in the slipstream. You just got to get in. It's flowing. You just got to jump right in and get flowing into all that God wants to do in and through you. And, and so my wife and I were honored to be here. I married uh, the most beautiful woman. She's in the front row. We're coming up on a year in about a week. Hey. If y'all want some marriage advice, come find us. We'll tell you all about our failures. So. <laughs> but I'm going to preach. You know, okay, so... 
I was, I was driving here. I saw Pastor Tyler this. I was driving here, and uh, I felt like God wanted me to change my message for second service. And so what I preached in first service, um, I'm not going to preach now. I'm going to preach something a little bit different, because I, I really do believe that there's somebody in here that needs to hear this. And uh, the Bible says that he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. And I believe many are going to be reached, but I think that there is someone specific in this room where this message is for you, your journey, and where God ultimately wants to take you in your life. So I'm going to shake it up a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to preach it like I feel it. And, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about me real quick before I get going. Number one, I'm a hollerback preacher. And so I was raised in those Pentecostal roots, you know what I mean? Where like the worship team would be like in the in the congregation. Like all of a sudden, you would just hear a tambourine. You're like, what's that? Then an old lady in the corner is just... You're just like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> the tambourine heart, you know, I was raised in those type of churches, but I wasn't raised in the church of the chosen frozen, and I know Mission Church, you're alive, so if something's good, you can participate, you can say amen, you can say preach, you can say mm-mm-mm-mm-mm, if you're feeling really spiritual, you can stand up, if you ever come to encounter on a Tuesday, people that are up on their feet, if you want to take a lap, you can run around, it won't, it won't scare me, you might scare your neighbor, you won't freak me out, so <laughs> we'll be completely fine, but, but I'm excited for what God is going to do, Secondly, I believe church should be enjoyed and not endured. And so I pray over the next 35 to 40 minutes um, that you would just enjoy the presence of God. That if you're here for the first time, you would know that you don't have to believe to belong. I know Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel's hearts. We're just so happy that you're here and that you would join us um, on, on this Sunday. And lastly, if I mess this up, Pastor Tyler will be here next week. He's the man. And so if this doesn't go well... God is faithful. Okay, cool. Well, it, it, it is my custom. I do this in, at our church. It's our custom to stand for the reading of God's word. So if you don't mind, can we just get up on our feet and stand for the reading of God's word? We're going to be in Mark chapter 3. Mark's gospel. Dynamite. Super excited. The gospel of Mark. Very, very kind of famous passage of scripture here. And I'm going to try to break it down maybe in a way that you haven't heard it before. This is a, this is a, a, a preacher's dream, this passage. This is really, really fun to preach. So it's going to be a good time. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Again, he entered the synagogue, he being Jesus, and a man was there with a the withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, uh, watch the motion, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm or to save a life or to kill? But they were silent and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, just check it, check it, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. Now, following that, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him, him being Jesus. I want to speak to y'all from the top tonight. Bring it out. Bring it out. Look at your neighbor say, bring it out. Look at your other neighbor say, what you talking about, Willis? Cool. Would you guys mind if I pray for you real quick? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to keep doing what he's doing. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you so much for the spirit of worship that is in this place. Thank you so much for Mission Church, God, in the deep work that you're doing in and through these people. I ask right now for your anointing, Father God, to decree and declare an ancient truth. And I pray that it would right now be partnered with divine relevance for such a time as this. Use your servant, Father God. And in my brokenness, God, may people see you. I thank you so much for the honor and the gift to preach a message that is yours. Father, I pray that if anybody 
anybody's weary, that they would be encouraged. If anybody is broken, that they would be mended. If anybody is lacking hope, that they would leave here hopeful, God, ultimately knowing that you are for them. And if you be for them, who could be against them? Father, have your way and bless the Oakland Raiders. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. High on a couple of people as you take a seat. It's a good year. Believing for God's best. Been praying for the Raiders for about a decade. I will not grow weary. Is anybody in here, you enjoy YouTube? Anybody in here, you like YouTube? I'm not going to lie, I probably need to fast YouTube. Um, I'm on it a lot. And, and, and when I'm on it, I'm usually watching either fishing videos. I'm obsessed with bass fishing. Absolutely. Well, where's he at? Where are you? I love you, brother. We'll talk after the service. I felt a connection. I love bass fishing, so I'm either usually watching techniques, or I'm watching ESPN, catching up on highlights, or something like that, or I'm just randomly scrolling. Now, what happens on YouTube is sometimes I'll see something that'll like catch my eye, like what's going on there. And about a year ago, I was scrolling through, and I saw this video, and the title was "Duck Believes He's a Dog," and I was like, "You had me at hello." I clicked on it. I was like, "This is phenomenal." So I ended up clicking on this, and I saw this duck who believed it was a dog, like he wasn't. Barking at people. He was, excuse me, he wasn't quacking at people. He was barking at people. Wah, wah, wah. You know, he's running around. He's wagging his tail. He was actually afraid of water, even though he was created to be in water. He wasn't really using his wings on purpose. He, you know, he just believed he was a dog. And so, you know, my mind, I'm like, what is that? Why did the duck believe that he was a dog, even though he wasn't a dog? There's, there, there's a word in the animal kingdom that's known as imprinting or, or imprint. And what happens when something is imprinted or, a, or an animal is imprinted. It's when the animal attaches its identity to something that it's not. So it attaches its nature to something that it's ultimately not. So what happened is this duck, the first thing it saw was a dog. And so because the first thing he saw was a dog, he believed within himself that he was a, a, a dog. That was the nature that he attached himself to. Now granted, that wasn't his image, but that was his nature. Again, that wasn't the image that he had, but that was the nature that he had. And so suddenly this duck who's meant to fly and be in water and meant to soar is running around on the ground and, and barking and nipping at people because it had the image of, the, of a duck but the nature of a dog. And, and, and for us men and women of God, I just want you to know that if you are in that whether or not you are in Christ, you have been created to be the image of, of Almighty God. You are the apple of his eye. In the book of Genesis it said that God took man, that God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils and man became a living soul. God created all the earth with his words but he put his hands upon you. Whether you know it or not, I don't care what your daddy said, what your great grandma said, what your teacher said you have been made in the image of almighty God. Can't nobody do it like you because you are you all by yourself. You are the image of the almighty and sometimes what we do is we forget that. So what we do is we compare and we end up being a cheap copyright of somebody else rather than being the great original that God has created us and destined us to be. So I don't care what you look like, what you talk like, you have been made in the image of Almighty God and that right there will preach because you have come from God, you belong to God, I don't care if you're the byproduct of a broken marriage, I don't care if you are on the edge of being aborted, you belong to Jesus and the fact that you are here proves that the grace of God is upon you and not just us but all of the world, whether they know it or not, this whole city, what brings us inspiration is the church 
church of Jesus Christ and as the kingdom of God is the fact that every single human that is living has been made in the image of the king of kings and the lord of lords but how many know even though that is encouraging we may have his image but our nature I tell you, I don't be feeling like Jesus all the time. I can relate to the duck. Can you? I know that I have his image, but at times it's difficult to believe that I have his nature. Why? Because I don't act like him. The first thing that was imprinted on me was sin. It says in the Bible theologically that we were born into sin. We were born into an inward disease with an inward disease that affects our outward expressions. Are you encouraged at the 11 a.m. service this morning? We were born into sin. And because we were born into sin, we have sinful tendencies. We have sinful leans. Paul said it like this in one of his epistles that the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other. That though we have the image of God, it seems at times that we don't have the nature of God, but I want to just kill this argument right now. I want every single one of you to know that if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, there is no doubt theologically or biblically because God says so that you not only have his image, but you also have his nature. So when God is looking at you, regardless of what you might be struggling with this morning, regardless of your weaknesses, regardless of your tendencies, and regardless of your leans, because Christ in you is the hope of glory, and it's no longer you who lives but it's Christ that is indwelling within you you not only have the image of God but you also have the nature of God at the very same time no doubt about it you belong to Jesus and though we may do things that don't always reflect him it does not change the fact that we always have him it doesn't change it that blood is precious when the nails were in his hands and the crown of thorns was on his brow, that, that, that blood is precious. It is the aroma that brought glory to Almighty God. He took our place. He, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of Almighty God. And if you believe in him, you are his righteousness. You, you are. But sometimes, um, because we forget that, it's difficult to be honest with where we really are in our nature. It's Halloween in the church every Sunday. Masks everywhere. Masks everywhere. And I was raised in churches where you couldn't really be honest. Like you couldn't really be honest with where you were. I remember one time in seventh grade confessing something to my pastor and it stuck with me for many, many years because I confessed something to him that I was struggling with. And rather than him embracing me and putting his arms around me, he began to condemn me and tell me basically to stop it. And I remember suddenly my God, my God concept became skewed and jaded at a young age just because someone who claimed to represent God was really misrepresenting him in that moment. And sometimes, I just want to know, for those who are skeptical about church in here, I don't know whether you are or not, um, there's not a problem with God. The problem is God's representatives. 
And that's why it's so imperative that you get a relationship with Jesus for yourself. And I don't know much, but Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel's hearts are to encourage you, to love you, to exhort you, to see you become all that God has created you to be, but not at the expense of you knowing God for yourself. The goal ultimately is for you to learn how to pray, you to learn how to read, you to have these supernatural experiences with Holy Spirit so that you know him for yourself. Because when you stand before God, Pastor Tyler isn't going to walk in like, hey, we made it. Your tall, beautiful self. We out here. Hey, Jesus, catch this. No. You will stand before God as an individual, which means that God loves you so much that he wants a relationship with you individually. So good, ain't it? He wants wants a relationship with you individually. However, in the midst of that, I want to talk about something I see amongst young people a lot. I'm in the be real generation. I'm 27. My wife is 24. I'm getting old. Keep us both in prayer. We're aging very quickly. (laughs) We're in the be real generation, but no one's being real. Be real. You sure? Because I feel like you're being fake right now and saying that. Be real. No, no, just say, just just be real. Everyone wants to be real, but I have never seen more cosmetic Christianity in my life. And y'all, I can handle it in the world, but not the church. Not the church. This place was not intended. Mission Church was not intended to be a come as you should be church. It's come as you are. But we can be judgmental. How do I know? Because I'm judgmental sometimes. Let me explain. I'm going to do a church. I haven't even gotten into the message yet, Pastor. (laughs) How how much longer do I got? Like 22 minutes? My gosh. Okay. I was already preaching. I was like, Lord, help me. Okay. I went to a church that I was preaching at down in Fullerton, California, Orange County. Any Southern Californians in here? Where you from? Come on. We hold it down. God is good. Anyway. Let us stick together in these times. So <laughs> anyway, so I went to preach at a church down in Fullerton, California. And, and, and again, I come from like Pentecostal roots, like where like you move in church. Maybe some of y'all saw me in the front row. Occasional just, you know, like just, just kind of, no. Okay. So I, I could be like, you really move in church. And there was this young lady who, who I was preaching to a youth ministry, maybe a hundred kids. And, and this young lady broke out in like full on dancing. Like, I'm not talking like low key. Like she went to the front and was just. was like, whoa! I judged her a little bit. I'm like, it's a little weird. It's a little much. Ah, order. Corinthians, Paul talks about that. And I got to know her story. I, I whispered to the pastor. I was like, man, she's getting it. He's like, you should talk to her after. I was like, okay. I walked him and grabbed her. I was like, man, girl, you were really dancing. I was like, why do you dance like that? She's like, oh, Pastor Chase. She's like, six months ago, I was working at a strip club. I said in my mind in that moment, forgive me, Jesus. (laughs) Six months ago, I was working at a strip club, and this church, what they would do is every Friday night, there would be a group of girls that came down to us, and they would come backstage, and they would just give us gifts. Just like like little things, like like soap, and and they would just give us gifts. They were just loving on us for like months. And finally, I I had a connection with with the the, the youth pastor that was there. It was a a lady, and, and we had like this divine connection, and... And she's like, just come to church with me. I'll come pick you up. Just come. I'll come pick you up. And I, and I came to church and I gave my life to Jesus and I made a vow. I made a promise to God that I would always give him my best. She's like, I, I had a kid at the time. I was trying to work my way through college. And I said, Lord, there will not be a day because you saved me where I don't dance before you undignified. That's just what it is. And I thought to myself, my gosh, 
overwhelmingly powerful. But what I'm trying to get us to understand is that sometimes in the church, what we can do is we, be, we can become a little bit judgmental and people don't feel free to be fully vulnerable in the house of God. Where when, I, when I believe that there is no other place in the earth where you should be more vulnerable, more open, and more real. And I just want you to know that this is a church that is safe. This is a church that will love you on your hard days. This is a church that will not only be with you on your good days, but with you on your bad ones. This is a church that is on mission to see this valley come to know Jesus, and that includes you. It's such a big deal. And so even in this passage, what I love about Jesus is he came in and he started blowing everything up. He was making everybody mad. All the religious leaders, all the Sadducees, all the Pharisees. He was just like, just doing all what only God can do. Doing his own thing, living his own way. The God man fully flown in his ministry and it was awesome. By this point, he's like a young rapper on tour in Mark chapter 3. He's going to different synagogues and he's just preaching his message. He's going here, he's going here, he's going here. They're like, man, this Jesus dude is really, really awesome. And then he found himself in the temple. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees who think that God should do what they do, they're kind of confronted by the truth and the reality of who Jesus actually was at that time. And what they do is there's a man in there who he has a, he has a withered hand. They may not seem like a big deal to us, but I want to talk about how big, of, how big of a deal it was to the Jews. Now, in Jewish culture, they believed that any outward deficiencies was connected to an inward issue that either you had or your father had or your father's father had. They believed that if you had any physical deformity that you were under a curse by God because of your sins, your daddy's sin, or your daddy's 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 sin, but God was cursing you. And so this man, everywhere he went, if people saw his hand in the current culture that he was living in, they would assume and they would know right off the bat, cursed. And so when he would take out his hand to eat, people would look up, cursed. When he would walk around to worship, people would say, cursed. Oh, he's, he's cursed. Man, who knows what he's been doing? Stay away from him. Who, know, who knows where he's been? Who knows what he's done? Ooh, was it him or was it his dad? Because I'll tell you what, that man with the withered hand, we don't even know as his name, we don't even know his name. His identity is attached to his deficiency. His identity is attached to what he's lacking. His identity is attached to his deformity. Don't miss the text. The man with the withered hand. So there's no doubt, there's no doubt that this man didn't want people to see it. So in my assumption, he probably walked around like this. Hey, how you doing today, sir? Oh, blessed, highly favored. How are you? How's your day going? Oh, God has been good. Just coming, coming to the temple. Walked around hiding it. Walked around covering it. Because if, if people saw his weakness and his frailty. If people saw his deformity, he wouldn't be accepted. He wouldn't be loved. He would be judged. Now, I know many of us were, were focused on the physical withering, but I wonder if some of us, we walked in and we're spiritually withered this morning. And we have a mask over our souls. Because if people really knew what you were struggling with, 
If people really knew the thoughts that were going through your head, if people really knew some of the issues that you have, and over our souls we're walking around like this. Oh, good, good. Blessed. And all the time, it's, it feels like we're, we're cursed. It feels like we can't tell anyone because if we, if we, if we tell someone where we really are, can't do that in church. That's not what Christians do. That's not the nature of God. And so cosmetic Christianity is at its all-time high. And people are walking in the church as they should be, not knowing that Jesus actually came for people who are sick and have need. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're, they're, they're gathered around a little bit, and they're, they're, they're waiting on this, this moment to, to, to capture. And I want you guys to check the order real quick. I don't want us to miss this. What Jesus does is he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. Now, I want you all to know that this is like, this is like, like church is happening. This is in the middle of the service. Jesus calls this man out in front of everyone. He says, hey, come here. Me? Come here. And then after he tells him to come here, he asks him to do something that seems extremely scary. He asks him to do something that seems very, very out of the ordinary. If I was, if I was the man, I would have been like, Jesus, let's go backstage and handle this behind closed doors. He asks him to do something that seems a bit audacious. He's like, what I want you to do is I want you to take that which is withered, I want you to take that which is broken, I want you to take that which you are ashamed of, I want you to take that which you are embarrassed about, I want you to take that thing that you hide, bring it out, stretch it towards me. Right now. A lot of us think that Christianity is this. Stretch it towards me. Oh, take it, Jesus. It's yours. Uh-uh. Not, not for me. Christianity is more like this. Bring it out. Stretch it towards me. <laughs> Jesus, right now, stretch it towards me. I'll heal you. But you got to move it towards me. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Why? Because everything that God has for us has already been initiated. It's our job to respond to that which, is already, which, to that which has already been given to us. He says, stretch it out. Christianity is this. Stretch it towards me. Stretching your weaknesses towards Jesus is one of the hardest things to do I've realized in my faith because it forces you to acknowledge your brokenness. 
in the times that I have experienced the most healing and the times that I have experienced the grace of God the most is when I feel like I deserve it the least. And I just have a sense, men and women of God, Mission Church, that there are some of us in this room that we just need to say, okay, this is my addiction. Okay, this is, this is my habit. Okay, God, this is my fear. Okay, God, th- 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 this is that thing that, that happened to me when I was younger. Okay, God, I'm going to bring it towards you. Why that motion? Why Jesus in Mark chapter 3, before he even went to the cross, before the, work had all, before the work was even finished, why was he trying to get men and women, sons and daughters, the Jews to understand the importance of taking that which they were ashamed of and moving it towards Jesus? Because that would have to be consistently the commonality that every single one of them would have on their spiritual journeys. You take it out, you move it towards Jesus. You take it out, you move it towards Jesus. You bring it out, you move it towards Jesus. I bring it out and once again I move it towards Jesus and some of us hold on to things that we shouldn't because it's awkward because sometimes I feel like I deserve what I'm holding I feel like I deserve the curse I feel like I deserve the shame that I'm feeling. I feel like I deserve the guilt that I'm feeling. I feel like I deserve the emotions that I have because I've failed him. I've failed him. I've failed him. And I've failed him. And sometimes I find myself in a position, church, where I'm like, I don't want to give you my weakness anymore because you don't deserve it. It's mine. Let me carry it. And yet the son stands with open arms. He's like, no, stretch it towards me, my son. Stretch it towards me, my daughter. I paid for that on the cross. I I paid for that through my blood that is no longer yours to hold. Bring it towards me. See what I can do. I'm the miracle maker. I'm the way maker. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm your Prince of Peace. I'm Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees all. You don't need to live in hiding. You don't have to cover yourself. You don't have to walk around in shame and guilt, but by the grace and by the word of God that has come forth, you can come near to Jesus because he's called you. You can stretch out that infirmity, that weakness, that habit, that sin, and that tendency because Because Jesus says that you can and you can experience the holistic presence of God's supernatural healing in Jesus name because that's what he said he would do that is our God he is faithful he is kind he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ever ask think or imagine but sometimes what we do is we hold something that isn't ours so we don't experience the freedom that he has for us what if I told you that you can't out the cross? You can't out the cross. You don't have that ability. You cannot sin what Jesus did where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. This is our God. We got the greatest message ever and it is hope for humanity. It's not work your way to God. It's God has already worked his way to you. That's why when he came, the angels and the shepherds and the wise men began to sing Emmanuel, Emmanuel God is now with us. We have not come to God, but God has come down to where we are. This is the gospel. And you know what's beautiful about this church in conclusion? Worship team, can you uh, come up and help me?
We're going to play some keys real quick to make it more spiritual. You know what's beautiful about this, y'all? Is that when you understand that you can stretch your weaknesses towards God, you have so much hope for people and their weaknesses. So much hope. So, so like, like yeah, you, guys, you guys have those people in your life where you're like, they'll never be saved. You'll never say because it's not spiritual, but you're like, I don't think they're, I don't think God can get them. You won't say it, though, because you're spiritual. And you're like, I don't know if God can get that coworker. You don't know my sister. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like those people, God does so well with those people. So well with those people. How do I know? Let me tell you a story. There's a young lady in our group. Her, her, her name is Lauren. Um, we love her. She, she creates our, our merchandise. She makes our merch, and she makes our people look so much better than they are. Our encounter gear is off the chain. She came to the altars three years ago and publicly declared her faith. And then her husband, who was a, excuse me, her ex-husband was a drug addict. Heavy, 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 heavy on drugs. And what she started doing is she started praying because, oh my gosh, I was almost here. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> she started praying for her uh, for her, for her ex-husband that he would come to know Jesus and he was out in the streets and just really, really strung out. She had some even very, very scary moments with him because he was so high and he almost physically harmed her, but God kept her. And what she did is she kept praying that this, this dude would, would come to know Jesus and she grew weary in it at times, but she, she kept on praying and she kept on believing. She kept on praying, she kept on believing. She kept on calling that which was not as though it was going to be. She kept praying, she kept believing, and the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous availeth much, and she just kept believing, 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 believing. We had a baptism about a month ago. I was preaching on platform. Hard. I mean, it was an ugly preach. I mean, sweat, towels, someone had a tambourine playing. <laughs> it was awesome. I gave an altar call. We saw 24 people get saved that night and 31 people made decisions to get baptized. And all of a sudden, I got, I got in the tank. There was this big brother in the tank. He was big, too. And he got in. I was like, what's up, man? All of a sudden, I saw Lauren. She was in the corner. Tears were just rolling down her face. I'm like, what is going on? I was like, bro, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm her ex-husband. I said, what? He's like, yeah, man, I just enrolled at City Team a couple weeks ago. I'm in rehab, and, you know, Lauren's been inviting me here for a long time. And uh, I want to publicly declare my faith. And I just thought, with all the pain that that man caused in that woman's life, she was the Jesus figure that said, there's nothing too hard for our God. No matter what you've done, no matter your shame, no matter your guilt, you can stretch your weakness towards Jesus. And I looked at that young man, I said, based off your confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We dipped them in all of encounter, lost their minds. It was a beautiful moment. But, 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 but Mission Church, I want to say something to you that Jesus said in conclusion in this message, the blind cannot lead the blind. In other words, you cannot give someone something that you do not have. What that means is that when you know this for you, you'll know it for others. And so you'll just walk around and start doing weird things. 
weird things. Weird things. I'm talking about walking up to people in grocery stores and inviting them to church. I'm talking about seeing that coworker who's acting crazy and you're like, I'm just going to love them like crazy today. How rude can you be? Because I'm just going to love you to Jesus. Stretch your weakness. Bring your weakness towards me. Christ in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Stretch that towards me and watch what Jesus can. Like, like that's how regions get changed. That's how revival happens, y'all. Is when people have permission to stretch so I, I can bring it out and you'll still love me. I can bring out and you'll still accept me. I can tell you where I am on my worst day and you're still going to be with me. That That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you know it for you, Mission Church, woo, you'll know it for another. You'll know it for another. And there are tens and hundreds of thousands of people in this region who are looking for a place where they can stretch out their weakness and they're trying to put their frailties in money and it fails. They're trying to put their weaknesses in marriage and it fails. They're trying to put their weaknesses in relationship and it fails. And they're stretching and they're stretching and they're stretching only to realize that they're disappointed, that they can't find satisfaction, that they cannot be healed. But you have the answer and it's living inside of you. You have a treasure according to Corinthians inside of this pot that is, a, that is made up of broken clay. It is you. Christ in you is the answer. And we have the opportunity to reach this city and fight for humanity and see people come in who are weak. See people come in who have masks on. See people come in who are broken. See people who act like they have it all together but they're empty. And at the name of Jesus, at your love, at your affection, at the joy, at the peace that you have, this city shall see such a revival because people will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I don't have to come as I should be but I can come as I am it's like that old hymn that my grandmother used to say just as I am I come hallelujah what amazing love this is our God this is the gospel this is our message this is his truth and I want you to know that if you have a mask on you don't have to wear it God has already taken care of it you can take it off and stretch it towards your king stretch it towards your savior stretch it towards the one who purchased you that is grace at its finest and when me and my wife find ourselves in positions where it's hard and it's difficult we go back that's right God this isn't ours to carry and it's awkward and it's weird but I'm going to stretch it towards you last story I promise I promise I got I got a guy right now because I'm into a group of men. He's been struggling with pornography for a long time. And he's finally finding freedom. He's like, Chase, I'm looking at pornography probably two or three times a day. He told me that two months ago. I was like, cool. He was like, what? I was like, cool. The truth leads to freedom. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Dishonesty will just keep you in change. You just got to be honest. That, that, that's a major first step. Cool. He was confused. He was like, well, why are you happy? I'm like, because freedom is in this place. At least you're being real with where you are. And he's just been getting better and better. And do you know what I tell him to do when he hates it? It's the most uncomfortable thing he does. Every time he looks at pornography, I tell this young man, worship. He's like, no. At first he was like, I'm not going to do that. I was like, take your eyes and your hands and the very body that you use for evil and use it for good. Every time you fail, to put a worship song on. You know what he says? He's like, no, I can't do that. Why? Does the gospel not say that in a moment's time you're forgiven? Does the gospel not say that he cast your sin at your repentance to the ocean floor? Does the gospel not say that he separates your sins as far as the east is from the west? God, look, God demonstrates his own love, not human love. He's talking about the agape, the divine love of God that can only be fully understood by the one who created it. God demonstrates his own love that while we were still sinners, he died for the ungodly. I was like, yo, in that moment of awkwardness, 
wilderness worship. Y'all, he's been three weeks free. Okay, now, now, praise God, three weeks free. But you know what's so cool about it? Is there was a moment of breakthrough that he had when he worshiped. He's like, Chase, I failed and everything within me did not want to worship. Everything within me did not want to go to him. Everything within me did not want to pursue him. And I just went to YouTube and I typed in the song Oceans. It's hard to fail with oceans. I started, re- I started just singing and I will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves and when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace because I am yours and you are mine. Do you know what he was doing? Take it. Take it God. I am yours and you are mine. I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to stretch it towards you. I wonder I wonder t- this morning if, if, you need to, if you need to remember to stretch again. Just stretch. Why do you think worship is such a big deal? We stretch. Thank you, Jesus. That these hands that are unclean are clean in your name. Thank you, Jesus. For your presence when we stretch. That's where we find freedom. Daughter, I'm for you. Bring that toward me. 